Rodney Reeder. I currently reside in Washington State, USA, and I'm writing to tell you about my death experience. In July of 2017, I was working as a longshoreman just south of Seattle, and we were loading several barges. One in particular was a barge loaded with 50-ton steel pilings. These have a 4-foot diameter and can be up to 50 feet long, and we'd been loading this barge all week as new pilings arrived to be loaded onto it. We also had a crane to help us. My job was to rig these pilings to the crane and then help guide it over to a steel barge on top of dunnage where a crew would lower it down. And it was the final day of loading this barge. We'd finished another barge in the morning and we'd just returned from lunch and this barge was now ready to load. I rigged the first steel piling, but we were only allowed two bodies that day, leaving us two men short. So I rigged the piling, guided it over the barge, and then one of the crewmen called me up onto the stack to help lower this thing down and set it in place. Under duty, it was hot, warm, about 50 degrees, so I climbed up the ladder, got to the top, lowered it, and then I looked at my watch, which was about 1 o'clock, turning 1 o'clock. I then proceeded to climb the top rungs of this big steel ladder, and if anyone has ever been on the end of a table and experienced being jarred or pushed off because someone hits the table outside of you, that's what happened to me. So either a tugboat or another barge called with the barge I was on, and the steel ladder and I separated from the stack about 25 feet up in the air. Everything then slowed down. People talk about sensitivity, and I've heard it in other reports, where time slows down and you see everything happening slowly, and that was happening to me. I felt like I was always trying to grab onto the steel beam ahead of me. I could feel the dust and rust particles on the steel barge, sorry on that steel piling slowly as my gloves and I tried to grab a hold and I kept looking down slowly. Then everything just slowed down even more and as I turned to face the ground, I basically just said, ah oh, yes, that was the end of it. I was then yanked out of my body with a pop around the 45th minute. And it's a good thing I don't remember because my body and face collided with the steel ladder as it struck the steel barge's floor. So I was spared that part. But at the time, I had entered what is known as the void. I was in complete darkness, with no body and only my consciousness. That's what it felt like if you've ever gotten into the bottom of your blankets in bed or in a warm sleeping bag. It was comforting. There was no concern, no fear of death or anything else. I was simply at ease, all warm and cozy in that lovely blanket of darkness. But you know, as time passes, I'm looking around and just looking at everything in peace. There was no time, no effort, and no reason to be concerned. And then, as if struck by lightning, the light appeared, which I then proceeded to pass through. And as I emerged from the light, well, I was in the light, but I found myself on a gravel path in a tree grove. It was also a very narrow path. And no body, just the full consciousness winding down through this path. I had no idea I was on the side of a mountain. I emerged onto a mountain ledge, looking over a mountain valley in a place earth-like but not earth. Absolutely stunning. A deep and broad mountain valley. There were three levels below that. And on the lowest level, I'd say there were thousands of beings. I'm going to say beings, not necessarily human beings. Then, on the second level, there was a large golden portal in the shape of a rectangle. Some people have seen this in reference, the Halls of Valhalla, or they'll see a doorway, and you might see it on YouTube or another Viking-related show by chance. 
I've seen something similar to what I saw, but it was a golden portal to me. Then, on the third and highest level, there were jeweled marble halls. It resembled a greed Parthenon. However, the marble is glistening with jewels, and I was standing on the precipice once more. I was looking out at all of this, and despite the fact that I had previously been a hang glider pilot, I felt myself gliding down into this green, lush field that ran the length of the valley, and I collapsed amongst the grass, and it's almost as if the love emanating from the grass was recharging me. Nobody knew what was going on at this point, but I'm just laying there in the grass. At a microcellular level, I was literally looking into the grass. I could see the cells moving around within the grass. Taking this cover off again felt like I was being recharged. The love in the entire area felt like liquid love. It was almost as if it had coated me. You'd be able to feel the texture. It was extremely intense. It's not the same as the love we have here in this physical presence. But the love had weight and texture, and you could feel it on you. And it's a child's love multiplied by a million. It's almost impossible to describe it in words. But the only way I can describe it is this liquid love because it coats you. And again, I was lying in the grass contemplating, just relaxing for the longest time. Again, I'm not sure what my body or what I'd gone through, but it felt like a recharge. As if I needed it, as if this was here to prepare me for something else or anything I'd gone through. And then, I started to feel, and while time was irrelevant, I felt I shouldn't be here. Something isn't quite right. But I've never felt such complete and utter bliss. It was pure bliss. There was no pain. I mean, it's difficult to explain and put into words, but it was just there. But the silver mist began to creep through the grass and towards me. As the silver mist approached, seven light beings appeared and surrounded me. They were the most brilliant bluish-white lights I'd ever seen. You can't see any facial structures. If anyone has seen the film, The Knowing, this is the best way to describe it. At the end, this boy and his father were taken up by these angelic beings or something, and that's the best way I can describe it. I didn't see this movie until after I had died, and it gave me chills because these beings were similar to it, but they were the brightest white. I mean, it was super bright, simply encircling me, and then they surrounded me, and I'm not sure how long I talked to them or what I did with them, but we knew each other, but they were seven feet tall, and there were about seven of them. And then, as they surrounded me, I had the sensation that they had placed me in this small tube, almost like a straw, and I'm looking up at them because I'm in this vortex. And then, I started to go downhill. I was basically put feet first. But even though I still had no body, I was looking up as these beings began to fall and be shot down this rainbow vortex. Some call it a rainbow vortex, or as they say, the rainbow bridge. Today, this was where I was going, and I kept going down. And while I was still looking, I could see the beings, especially the taller one of the seven of them who was staring at me. And you can almost sense the love it was still sending my way. And I was crying because I was like, I'm leaving this place. Perfection. Bliss. I'm on my way down. No way. No how. I'm on my way down. And I'm not sure how long I was gone, but it was a long time. And then... You know, there's still nobody. It felt like the right side of my face was closing in on itself. And all I could see was out of what I would call my left eye. Then the pain began to set in. Oh my gosh. The pain was excruciating. And it was just like every single tooth in your mouth exploding with the worst tooth you've ever had just entering my body. 
And then I continued down, down into this tube. And then I was slammed into my meat sack body. And I'm in there for a second, just disoriented because I went from basically spirit form to flesh form. And it was extremely unpleasant. I mean, it took a little while to associate. And then I felt like my eyes were opening up visually. And here I had all these other beings, humans around me at the time, staring at me and opening up, shocked that I was alive. They had taken my body and placed it on a flat, then brought over a loader and lifted my body off the barge, bringing it into the home office about 60, 70 yards away and placing me on the wood floor. They had never called 911 and there was no ambulance. I didn't need medical help, but I was dizzy. They were just shocked that I was still alive. He's still alive. He's still alive. They then picked me up as if I were dead weight. At the time, I weighed 260 pounds. When they picked me up dead weight, I felt a scream in my left shoulder. And then they brought me and put me in a small car, ran me and put me in a small car. When the manager arrived and ran to the driver's side, I happened to look at my watch with my left eye because I could feel blood in my right eye and couldn't see out of it. When I looked down, my watch read 135 minutes. And then we drove to the hospital, a local hospital. We didn't even go into the emergency room when we arrived. We parked in the parking lot and then walked into the hospital. No more looking with my right eye. Then I was escorted up to the emergency room. They threw down the insurance card and left me there. Then there was an onslaught of medical personnel rushing in and grabbing me. And then I threw something around, a collar around my neck, and started doing all the procedures. After all of the scans, it was discovered that three quarters of my face was broken. I had a brain bleed, and within a couple of hours, they had loaded me up and transported me to a different hospital that could handle my problems. That was the intriguing aspect of going there. And now that I'm at the second hospital, they performed additional tests on me, but they were astounded that I was taking one-third of the normal amount of painkiller that someone in my condition would take. A woman had been brought into the room next to mine. Her husband had hit her in the face with a baseball bat. She was screaming and crying. They then attempt to calm her down. I said, please, I know you're in pain, ma'am, but there's a guy next to you who's ten times worse. So here I am, laying there, hearing that everything is going swimmingly but it's difficult to explain to the doctors. They just came up to me and said, Man, you're a badass. You're not calling and doing other things. How do I explain to them that I was still in contact with that love on the other side? That was what was keeping the pain at bay. That connection was still there for me. That's how strong love can be. I mean, here I am, a tough guy working out on the docks, picking up iron and holding stuff all day, and all of a sudden, I'm experiencing this overwhelming love, joy, and bliss. And it took so long because you're trying to relate to everything you've just experienced when you're back in this physical body. And once again, I can't tell you how many years I could have spent there in that short time. Again, I was dead for about half an hour. There's no brain. I mean, aside from the brain bleed. I had no complaints about our performance. I wasted no time in prepping my face. As you can see, I went through memory training. We are going to walk a little bit first, but I'm still having problems. But so many things have happened to me. We have connections. I feel again. It was a huge fuse when I entered the body. It is not where you awaken from a dream. And it's only their part. I actually like the fuse where you literally fuse into that altered state into this state. But I didn't leave anything out. I literally just arrived. But that love remained attached to me.
And I said this when this connection, how it connects to your heart and next to other parts of you is different. And you know you're being protected and guided. And you're still feeling the connection to all the energies that were happening on their side. Now I'll tell you a quick story about a year and a half after my first two surgeries. When I had this strange feeling, I had to go to work with composting worms. Okay, fine. I was working in my garden because it was one of the things that helped me heal. And I discovered a worm farm about 20 miles away. And I went there, driving there. This calmness was present to me. I felt compelled to go. I had to leave. And I went there and discovered that the place was getting crowded. And while I was getting my worms, I began conversing with two of the worm farm workers. And as I'm saying this, one of them approaches me and I have an odd feeling about him. And he approached me, put his hand on my shoulder and said, You're connected. Didn't you perish? And then you died, but you're still connected and will always be. And lo and behold, if anyone has ever been interested or seen pictures of Saint Germain, this was Saint Germain in the flesh. Tell me about it and show me. And I'm going to talk about chills. And I got chills like a crazy rating of this feeling. And then, a few years later, I learned about the I am affirmations, and then I learned about working with Saint Germain. Then I saw pictures of him with the etheric Saint Germain images, and I nearly died. Oh my goodness, that was him, I thought. I was linked. That's why he was telling me I'm linked. Still demonstrates that we maintain that connection all the way through. We're still doing it right now. Maybe a different body form or higher mental body is still attached to that part. You know, connected there. But it gave me enough comfort in the physical form to reduce the need for medical pharmaceutical products coming into my body. And it was trying to keep me away from as little as possible, just enough to keep me comfortable, but not enough to let pharmaceuticals affect what I was experiencing or wanting to affect my body. That is, until a few weeks later, when I may have told someone, the first one, that I was leaving. But when I spoke with one of my coworkers who I was connected with, he was, actually. He hardly wanted to talk. He was terrified and everything. That was the worst day I'd ever had. You were no longer alive. You had vanished. I mean, there was no heartbeat. Nothing at all. I had died. So that's why they never called an ambulance, 911, or anything else because they were already doing that. I had died. It's not a place where I could fantasize. There was no heartbeat here. There was no mind. I had left. They basically loaded my dead body onto a flat, rolled me over, and placed me on there before placing me in the office. When I returned, they were panicking because they couldn't figure out what to do. And then, when I returned without any resuscitation, I didn't have a fibrillator or anything else to me and stuff. The strange thing is that I've had much of what I experienced on the other side manifest on this side after the event. I've seen these gravel paths on TV and other shows where a golden portal appears. I've seen apartheid and other parts of them talking or people talking about the library knowledge or whatever that building was. It could be the golden city, but it's where. And then there's the ascendant masters or other beings out there that I may have met or spoken with. So I was gone when I got to this stuff. It's not where people can say, I was gone for five minutes when I came back out of body or they thought something happened. I was literally killed as a result of blunt force trauma. Aside from my face, my left pectoral major was completely severed from the shoulder, which was not discovered until six months later. And all the other trauma I had, broken ribs, nose, face, it was just awful. 
So you describe it to people, either because you memorized it or because it was a vision. I was like dead for a half hour. It was 1.35 when I was thrown in the car, and I saw my watch before it was 1 o'clock. So at least a half hour has passed. So you tell me how I came up with that from a dream or other sources. It wasn't, and I didn't linger after I felt that pop when I left my body. I was shot all the way up to other places. Others have mentioned entities or different levels and parts that they had to go through before arriving where I was. I went straight up there after exiting the void. But you know, there are so many people, and I've met others who've talked about or seen some of these same things. As well as when I get into what I learned from St. Germain and a lot of his teachings of the I Am discourses that Godfrey Raking, who wrote in the 1930s, talked about. And I was just going about my business. But you know, you have these connections, and it's just where you're more open to it. But as we become more aware, we begin to affect more and more other people with our light or radiation that emanates from us. You know, your healing light that we have or more connections that we have opened up to. And it's feeling this. So there's much more going on that, you know, I tell people to be open to this again. There's human discord, human creation that is attempting to obstruct much of what's going on. We instigate our own discord. And when you start focusing on the divine, on I, on my own presence, which is in my heart, when you start focusing on that, things start happening more and you become more of what, you know, God beings that we are. So, you know, I just tell people to be open and honest. But you'll know. And when you talk to someone who's had one of these experiences, you'll understand why I call it a death experience. Some people use the term NDE so that others who are unaware of this can understand it. But for those of us who've had this experience, it was a death experience. We were killed. We were aware that we'll die. 